Welcome to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast with your host, astrologer and author, April Elliott Kent. Hello, invisible friend, April here. And the date today is November 21st, 2022. Welcome to episode 154 of the Big Sky Astrology Podcast. This week, the sun enters its Sagittarius season, and there's a new moon in this grateful sign the day before Thanksgiving. Sagittarius' ruling planet Jupiter turns direct, and Mercury comes together with Venus for declarations of gratitude and love. Before I start the episode today, please join me in celebrating three years of the Big Sky Astrology podcast. It is a little bit hard to believe. It was three years ago in November of 2019 that I began the show with my co-host, Jen Brown. I think we started it at the Sagittarius solar eclipse, and now it's been three years. Thanks so much to all of you who have been with the show from the beginning, as well as those of you who have found me along the way. It is my great pleasure to produce the show for you every week, and I am very thankful for you. begins with Mercury making a conjunction to Venus on November 21st at 2.55 p.m. Pacific time at 7 degrees and 9 minutes of Sagittarius. Mercury coming together with Venus is always a good moment for declaration in relationships. Venus, of course, being the symbol of relationships, Mercury being a planet that gives voice to things and also a title or a name to something. So it could be that around this date, an important relationship in your life changes, if not in feeling, then perhaps in what you call it. This is also an excellent aspect for brainstorming about ways to earn money or for getting some extra training and education on how to handle your money, how to grow your money. Mercury and Venus are both in Sagittarius, which is not a sign that in and of itself is terribly preoccupied with money, but it is very interested in making sure that it has enough money so that it doesn't really have to think about money too much or to make its big decisions based on financial need. The Sabian symbol for Mercury and Venus's conjunction is eight degrees Sagittarius rocks and things forming therein. And it's such a funny symbol because we think of rocks as just sitting there doing nothing. And this says that even in situations in your life currently where it looks as though nothing is going on or nothing new is happening or there's no new growth, that actually there can be a whole lot going on underneath the surface. On November 22nd, the sun enters Sagittarius at 12.20 a.m. Pacific time. It's in this sign until the Capricorn solstice on December 21st. Sagittarius, of course, is the sign behind Capricorn. And the Capricorn solstice is going to be the time of the year where we evaluate our progress so far in the year to see if we're reaching our goals, if we need to recalibrate our goals. And in the case of the sun being in Sagittarius, whether we need to let 
go of some of our goals. We often make resolutions at the beginning of the calendar year. Sometimes they run out of steam fairly early on. But if you've made it this far with the same list of goals and objectives for 2022, this might be a month where you find that it's easier to make peace with the things that are really not going to happen and to think, hey, that's okay. I can always take another try at them next year. Because what's really more important to us coming into the Sagittarius season is that desire to be free of burdens in favor of being a happy wanderer. Jupiter, which is the planet that rules Sagittarius, stations direct the day after the sun enters Sagittarius, and it's going to be finishing up its journey through Pisces during the coming month. That tells us that this is going to be a Sagittarius season for letting go, for resting, and for healing. Now, the sun's entry into Sagittarius falls on the day before the Thanksgiving holiday here in the United States, which always falls during the Sagittarius season. And I just think that's so appropriate. Sagittarius is a symbol of being upbeat and optimistic and about a feeling of gratitude, which certainly belongs in this part of the year. What are you grateful for? This is the perfect season to remember what's going happily and well in your life, the ways in which you are cared for and the ways in which you give care to yourself and others. On November 23rd at 3.02 p.m. Pacific Time, Jupiter stations and turns direct at 28 degrees and 47 minutes of Pisces. On the Sabian symbol, 29 Pisces, a prism. Whenever I see this symbol, I think, you know, it's all in how you look at things. Because a prism catches the light with each of its facets, giving us a different color or a different way of looking at things. Jupiter turned retrograde on July 28th, and it will return to the sign of Aries on December 20th, just before the solstice. When Jupiter is retrograde, it's up to us to find a sense of positivity and optimism and a sense of the meaning of our lives. What is it that we believe in? While Jupiter was retrograde, you might have come up with a lot of big ideas of things that you wanted to pursue. I know I have a big project going on that I'm excited to share with you all after the first of the year. But that has come on during this time that Jupiter has been retrograde. And I had to really figure out in my mind the form this was going to take and what it's going to look like. So that's what the Jupiter retrograde periods are pretty good for, is for calculating the next big project the next big step or adventure in your life. And now that Jupiter is turning direct, and especially as it moves back into Aries towards the end of December, it's time to get moving and to really give the new thing our all. report for the week of November 21st, and it begins with a new moon at one degree and 37 minutes of Sagittarius on November 23rd at 2.57 p.m. Pacific time. 
It's on the Sabian symbol, two Sagittarius, the ocean covered with white caps. And it's a very restless symbol. We think of Sagittarius as very positive and upbeat, and I think that it is, but we forget the restlessness of this sign. It always wants to be moving forward towards a bigger landscape. It's always looking for something new. James Burgess, who's a wonderful Sabian symbol master, says of this symbol that it is about the fact that life does not know stillness. And at this degree, there's a sense of learning to surf that restlessness, the idea that things are always going to change and that we deal with the same issues again and again. And many of them are emerging from the unconscious, as he points out, the ocean, the symbol of the ocean in the Sabian symbol represents the unconscious. And this means that in our unconsciousness, you know, we can be very positive and upbeat on the outside when Sagittarius is involved. But under the surface, there is this roiling of the sea, this restlessness. The sun and moon at this new moon are in an out of sign trine to Jupiter, and they're in a pretty wide conjunction to Venus. So it's a generally very positive new moon. And I always feel by the end of any eclipse season that I'm just happy to be having a new or full moon that is not an eclipse. This is the best new moon of the year for setting intentions that are related to growth. And we're talking about the ways in which we want to imagine a bigger life for ourselves. What is the thing you've always wanted to do, but you've always been a little bit scared to do it? At every new moon, of course, we set intentions and we set intentions for the coming 28 days until the next new moon. But we also set intentions for the next 27 months. As the lunar phase family that begins with this new moon unfolds and a story is told in the house of your chart where one degree and 37 minutes of Sagittarius falls. The first quarter moon in this series is on August 24th of 2023 at one degree of Sagittarius. The full moon will be on May 23rd, 2024 at two degrees Sagittarius in 55 minutes. And the third quarter in this lunar phase family will be on February 20th, 2025 at two degrees of Sagittarius in 19 minutes. So the intentions that we set now will find critical moments in their development at those time periods. So make note of those dates, of what it is that you're initiating now that you would like to see come to fruition all the way in the distance in 2025. It sounds so far away, but as we know, it'll be here before we know it. So think big, think in the long term and decide what great adventure you want to embark on. Let's look at the void of course moon periods for this week. On November 21st, the moon in Libra squares Pluto at 3.14 a.m. Pacific time. It's void, of course, for about six hours, and then enters Scorpio at 9.16 a.m. This is a void of course moon period for remembering that as important as it is to get along with others, 
that's the moon in Libra, it's equally important not to sacrifice our sense of self-worth in order to do that. On this Monday morning, greet the week with a determination to be as fair and kind as Libra desires, but also as unequivocally truthful as Pluto demands, even if that ruffles some feathers. On November 23rd, the moon in Scorpio makes a trine to Jupiter at 10.16 a.m. Pacific time. It's void, of course, for just over two hours and enters Sagittarius at 12.16 p.m. This void, of course, moon period comes just five hours before the new moon, and it's the darkest time in the lunar cycle. The moon in Scorpio meets up with healing Jupiter and Pisces in a trine aspect. This is a nice little void, of course, moon period for the kindness of Jupiter and Pisces to help us let go of negativity or grudges, confident that the moon in Scorpio's protectiveness will prevent us from being taken advantage of. Then on November 25th, the moon in Sagittarius squares Jupiter at 11.22 a.m. Pacific time, is void, of course, for just over two hours, and then enters Capricorn at 1.18 p.m. Pacific time. So as the Sagittarius moon squares its own ruling planet, Jupiter, we're liable to feel the effects of overindulging a little bit at the Thanksgiving table the previous day. We might also feel that we have said a few things at dinner that we wish we hadn't. This very often happens at family Thanksgivings. Take some time during this void, of course, moon period to think about better ways to handle these things in the future in a way that lets you still enjoy Sagittarius's sense of fun and freedom. And finally, on November 27th, the moon in Capricorn sextiles Jupiter at 12, 11 p.m. Pacific time. It's void, of course, for just about two hours and then enters Aquarius at 2.07 p.m. This short Sunday afternoon void, of course, moon period encourages us to give ourselves a true day of rest. But you know how sometimes you take a day off and then at the end of it, you feel like you really didn't make the best of it because you didn't really do anything. Well, this moon in Capricorn will provide just enough structure to let you feel satisfied at the end of this void, of course, moon period that you had some relaxation and fun, probably by doing some kind of activities that give structure to the day. This week's listener question comes from listener Mariana, who writes, This year's eclipses are identical in degrees and houses to my two prenatal eclipses. How do you make sense of this? Identical eclipses to your prenatal ones. I guess big rebirthing is in order, but what are some other ways to interpret this? I also have my north node in Scorpio and my south node in Taurus and the eclipses are going through them. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Well, thank you for that question, Mariana. First, let me just take a moment for those who don't know what prenatal eclipses are to give a short explanation. 
Because there is at least one eclipse, a solar eclipse, every six months, there will be at least one eclipse within six months before your birth. And more often, there'll be two. There'll be a solar eclipse and a lunar eclipse. My interpretation of prenatal eclipses is that they represent by their sign, their house, their aspect, matters that were born with an instinctive fear or anxiety about. And this is based on the characterization of eclipses as being about crisis and change. In practice, these prenatal eclipse points are very sensitive. They respond to transits and progressions. And also they show up in synastry with other people that have planets close to your prenatal eclipse points. These points are often triggered during important moments in your life. And now back to the point of your question. Eclipses have predictable cycles, including the Metonic cycle, in which a solar eclipse happens on the same day and the exact same degree every 19 years. These repeat about four or five times at 19-year intervals. Your prenatal solar eclipse point, Mariana, was on November 3rd, 1975 at 10 degrees, 29 minutes of Scorpio. So we would anticipate, according to the Metonic cycle, that there would be another eclipse at this point on November 3rd, 1994, 19 years later, and then another 19 years after that on November 3rd, 2013, and they would be at about 10 degrees of Scorpio. And indeed, there were. Now, according to this system, this Metonic cycle, the next eclipse in that cycle should be, and in fact is, on November 3rd, 2032. Now, in between these years, at about the nine, nine and a half year mark, there is an eclipse almost always near that same degree. And usually, one that's close to your prenatal lunar eclipse point too, but it's often in the opposite sign. So this year, 2022, which is the halfway point between 2013 and 2032, which are critical moments in your prenatal eclipse cycle, we indeed had a solar eclipse on April 3rd at 10 degrees and 28 Taurus, which is actually opposed your prenatal eclipse point. And then on May 16th, there was a lunar eclipse at 25 degrees and 18 Scorpio, exactly opposed your prenatal lunar eclipse point. So we know you're halfway through one of these 19-year prenatal eclipse cycles because the transiting north node is currently in Taurus, which is the opposite of your natal north node in Scorpio. Because these prenatal eclipse points are going to travel along with the nodal axis at the time of your birth. So the fact that you have eclipses at exactly these same degrees as your prenatal eclipse points is not out of the ordinary because of this metonic cycle. The fact that they're in the opposite signs from your prenatal eclipses is kind of noteworthy. And as for the way I might interpret this, this is a cycle, this prenatal eclipse point cycle, in which you examine the fears that hold you back. 
When the current eclipses are actually in the same signs as the prenatal ones, we can get a little bit lost in those fears. But when the current eclipses are in the opposite signs as they are for you this year, we have a little more objectivity. And I think we're able to work through the fears a little more effectively. Others might interpret this differently, but Mariana, see how it feels for you. Go back to November 1975, 1994, and 2013. See how things were feeling. And then look at the halfway point between them at about 1984 and 1985, and also 2003. Those were similar to this year in terms of this cycle and might have been a little easier to deal with. You might still have had some emotional challenges, but it might have been a little bit easier to work through them. That's a great question, Mariana. Thank you very much. And I hope that helps. Now, dear listener, if you have a question you'd like me to answer on a future episode, please leave a message of one minute or less at speakpipe.com slash Big Sky Astrology Podcast or email me at april at bigskyastrology.com and be sure to put podcast question in the subject line. Well, that is everything I have on my show sheet. So I'm going to wrap this one up. Thank you for listening to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe or follow the show in your app of choice. Ratings and reviews are always welcome. And I would love it if you would help spread the word about the show by telling an astrology loving friend. You can read show notes and full transcripts and leave your comments about each episode at BigSkyAstropod.com. Thanks very much to everyone who's shown support for the podcast over the past three years, including during the recent Podathon. Each week, I'm thanking some of you by name. This week, let's give a Big Sky Astrology podcast shout out to Andrea Ingham and Monica Grossbaum. Andrea and Monica, thank you so much for listening to the podcast and for supporting the show with your donations. If you enjoy the show and would like to make a donation, and if you'd like to receive my recent bonus donors-only episode for the Libra Equinox, as well as the upcoming bonuses for the Solstices and the Aries Equinox, please go to BigSkyAstropod.com and donate $10 or more. That is it for this episode. Please join me again bright and early next Monday. And until then, keep your feet on the ground and your eyes on the stars. Thank you for listening. To learn more about April Elliott Kent, visit her website, BigSkyAstrology.com, where you can sign up for her newsletter, read her thoughtful essays, find out more about her books and classes, or book a personal astrology reading. That's all for today. If you're enjoying the podcast, please take a moment to follow or subscribe to stay current with new episodes, and please leave a rating or review. You can follow Big Sky Astrology on Facebook or Twitter and Big Sky Astrology April on Instagram. Thanks again for being here, and we hope you'll join us next time. Thank you.